Hello, fearless fundraisers. I am Benjamin Farrell, and it's time to buckle up for a new episode of Raise Nation, the one and only podcast made to inspire fundraisers just like you to continue making an impact in our communities, building better tomorrows, and exchanging ideas. So whether you're a trailblazer or a seasoned pro, you're going to pick up the trends that transform your fundraising. And together, we'll dive into lively conversations and chat with industry-leading fundraisers and thought leaders to explore hot-button issues and innovative ideas. So stay with us for the next 30 minutes while we inspire you to embrace the future of fundraising. Now, uh, super excited to be joined by my co-host today, of course, longtime fundraiser legend herself, the one and only Don Lego. Don, how are you doing this afternoon? I am great. I'm super excited for this episode. We have a, a great story to hear, and it's been a long day, but an inspiring day, Ben, um, at day, Raise Day One, and just hearing so many fearless fundraiser stories. But I've noticed that we've had some trends and conversations about you know being transparent, honest, you know, um, authentic. So um, it's interesting. I think the advice is good, and uh, excited to hear about a little bit more. Well, let's just jump right in because we have two amazing guests with us this afternoon. So I want you to tune in. Go ahead, get yourself in a nice, comfortable spot wherever you're listening to today's broadcast. Because we've got Kirsten Turple and Stephanie Adamitis with us today. And we are thrilled that they are with us because we all learn from one another by exchanging ideas. And we've already heard this more than once today that people love to come to raise and learn. Or you can say borrow. You can say copy. You can say steal. All I'm saying is use the good advice that we're going to hear. Kirsten and Stephanie Thank you and welcome to Raise Nation Radio. Thank you for having us. Thank you. Well, we like to jump right in. So just let us know a little bit about uh, who you are. And uh, is this your first uh, Is this your first year with us at Raise? But if not, um, tell us if you've been with us before. But just give, uh, give our audience a little brief introduction. Great. Thanks. So we've attended Raise, but this is our first time speaking. So it's nice to see both ends of the experience this time. Um, we both work for the Rotary Foundation and it's been around over a hundred years. It's the charitable arm of Rotary. So Rotary clubs, I'm sure you've heard of. Um, and we're here to share some, some new and inspiring ideas on how to fundraise. Well, super fantastic. So jumping right in, of course, well, wow, everyone seems to be doing something new, trying something new. Some of it's working, some of it isn't working. So over these last however many months, I feel like we are measuring this pandemic like we measure the age of our young babies, right? We're, how old are they now? Well, I think we're at 19 months. So so here we are, what, 19 months into the pandemic. So what, uh, what have you seen working for Rotary Club? So what's been an opportunity and a challenge for us, so the Rotary Foundation fundraises for the Rotary Foundation to fund global grants for Rotary members. However, then there's local Rotary clubs that are doing events, fundraisers, you know, come to our pancake breakfast and, and they're supporting local initiatives. Well, when you couldn't do in-person events, they were forced to do Zoom club meetings or virtual fundraisers. Us here at the Rotary Foundation, we were already in progress of building our very own peer-to-peer -peer platform. So Kirsten and I have been working very hard. Um, she's our lead fundraising coach, but being able to provide a tool for Rotary members to have virtual fundraising events to raise money for the Rotary Foundation and all the great causes we support. Oh, well, go so ahead. So are your virtual fundraising events peer-to-peer? -peer? When you say virtual fundraising events, are they DIY peer-to-peer -peer or peer-to-peer -peer in nature? Correct. Ah, and what's with the um, the giving language? Is that the, like the love language? I, I know that uh, 
we're going to hear more from you tomorrow during your session. I think it's 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, but I love the title of your session. What's the giving language? So my mind immediate, like what, what's the love language for donors? Do tell. Right. And we will talk about that, how, you know, a lot of people take that what's your love language quiz to see how best they can receive love and um, give love for their partners. And it's very similar with our donor languages. How best can we communicate with these different groups to show that we appreciate them and to make sure that they remain appreciated and loyal donors? And that I think it's important for nonprofits to think about the way that the nonprofit communicates or like their existing events or fundraising initiatives may not always match with the donor ones, just like the giving languages. So just because a fundraiser is looking to fundraise, let's say, um, the direct mail piece, you know, maybe it's somebody who has no interest in cutting a check, but they want to provide service or they want to fundraise on behalf of your organization. So it's really important for nonprofits to get smarter and really try to match ways to give um, with donors desire to give. So really using that love language to, to segment further into your donor base. So how many ways to give is too many ways to give? I mean, I'm hearing a lot about options, meeting the donors where they are coming right out and asking them what's important to them, but how many ways to give might be too, too many ways to give, or are there too many ways to give? Is that ever a a worry? Don, if we ever get to a point where we have two ways to give and too many ways to receive gifts to support our foundation, then we are in a good spot. So I would say right now for our donor base at the Rotary Foundation, it's a little bit older. So we still have a lot of those check writers, those, those traditional types of gifts. And we're really just now diving into peer-to-peer fundraising, online giving, really trying to build that base to build our donor pipeline up. So I hope in a year or two, if we ever talk again, uh, we can say, oh, we found how many is too many, but so far we <laughs> haven't hit that magic number yet. <laughs> So no many, no many is too many. Just pile it on, meet them where they are, give the options. Is that the message that we want fearless fundraisers to hear? Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, uh, I heard a donor one say, li- said, listen, don't, there's no need to cancel your fundraising right now. In fact, why don't you let me as the donor be the one that gets to say no? Don't certainly say no for me. Like, so, so many donors are eager in a time that we're living where obviously there's a lot of challenges going on. They want an opportunity to make a difference. They want an opportunity to participate. And, you know, I'm going to share, you know, let you in on my age a little bit right here because I'm thinking of a movie from the 80s. I think uh, one of those uh, great 80s movies where um, John Cusack said, we speak each other's unspoken language fluently. So, right, <laughs> whatever that may mean, you've got to find this bridge of language. So for someone's tuning in, they say, we need to figure out what it is, the right language for our donors. What is their best first step right there? My suggestion would be to test. So in your existing donor base, before you look to acquire new donors, just test different ways, split up your base and say, okay, we're going to reach out by direct mail here. We're going to reach out, ask people to fundraise and get involved with this, ask people to do service projects here and see what those responses are. And then dig deep into that data. Are they older? Are there certain, you know, mindset area of the country, area of the world, and really just try to find similarities and, and differences to further segment. Because the last thing you want to do to Don's point is ask your entire donor base 10 different ways to give. Like that's not helping anybody. In fact, that's probably drowning them out. But if you can start to identify a few trends, like type X person 
it looks like they want to give this way. Let's test and let's let's see if that's true or why or oh wow, like this don't this type of donor just really did not respond well. The response rate was terrible. It cost us a ton of money to raise a dollar. Don't do that. You can really start to learn if you just test, 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 um, and then you can kind of segment that donor base even further. So it's not only meet them where they are and give them options to give, but try to do some targeting, right? Like th- this group would give in this manner and that group would give in another manner. Don't hit everybody up for everything. Try to have those options available, but then target them to, to the right groups. Is that fair? Absolutely. So Got it. Hmm. Year, I think we have 90 different fundraising communication campaigns planned. We wow. are 90, did you say? 90? 90. Nine zero. Okay. Nine zero. But we do not reach out to our entire donor base 90 times, right? Someone made four or five appeals and a, and a few stewardship pieces. It's, it's definitely very regionalized, personalized, targeted, and it takes a lot of work. But once you start to gain traction, we're on year five of this. I mean, we're up 54% over last year. So it, it works. It, Whoa, it, it, round of applause. Congratulations. You're up 50, in, in, in this global health crisis, you're up 54% over last year. It's huge. If, if you're listening, pull over, write it down, chalk it down, put that as your visual reminder, put it on Facebook, Twitter, Snapchat, Instagram, whatever story you've got, put it out there because these are the messages we need to hear because you will hear um, there are some voices out there that feel like now's not the time. Well, if not now, when is going to be the time? I feel like people want to want to give now more than they've ever wanted to give. So this is a very encouraging message. And I know one people will say, how are you testing? So give us a couple, maybe one or two ways that you test to see if something's, I mean, obviously the donation comes in, but what, what are the other ways you're testing? So there's a, there's a few ways to think about it. And Kirsten, please stop me if I'm, if I miss something, but we'll start the year by planning. Okay. We want to try these, let's say 10 new pieces because based off of last year's data, it looks like we could use X, Y, Z. There's an opportunity in the timetable, or it looks like people are asking for something. So then we'll test the opportunity. So you could test based on segment, right? So For example, we want to reach out to new Rotary members that have never made a gift to the Rotary Foundation. How will they respond? That's what you can test a segment. You can test content like that A-B split content in an email. Change the subject line. Change the content. Change the type of ask you're doing. Are you celebrating achievements achieved so far with your donors or are you showing more of that that need-based content? Like this wouldn't be possible without your gifts. So I think you can test content a lot. Test photography. You can test the method like we talked about earlier. What is that call to action? Is it to give online? Is it to give by check in the mail? Is it to start a fundraiser? Is it to join service? So there's a lot of different combinations. I mean, really the combinations are endless when you start to segment your base. And that's why it's so important just to go beyond new donor, lapsed donor, acquisition, retention, really, really digging much, much deeper and trying to figure out how you can target those pockets of donors that that maybe weren't as involved before. I love this playbook. I just recently um, came over to the marketing team here, you know, at one cause. And that one of the first things I heard was, oh, we're A-B testing. I'm like, what's, what's A-B testing? I, I had no idea what it was, but it's as simple as that, right? Take a small segment, divide it in half and, and, and test one communication one way, one communication the other way look at your results and then go keep going broader, deeper. It, I guess it's rinse and repeat, right? Keep, yeah. keep going in that 
manner so that you can get some to in intelligence and fine tune your targeting. Um, it's really a simple process, but I don't know why we don't do more of it. It just takes time. And I feel like for a lot of smaller nonprofits, usually one or two people are wearing so many hats. We're here at the Rotary Foundation. I have a team of four of us that this is all we do all day long. So Carson and I are, are looking at communications and donor base and engagement and just splitting it up over and over and over again. So it's a good investment on time. Our ROI is fantastic. Um, our Rotary year ends June 30th. So we just wrapped up. Um, the average gift was higher than ever before. The gift count was higher than ever before. Amount in the door was higher than ever before. So it does work even in the middle of a pandemic. People have extra income. It, it's just about being a little bit smarter and, and taking the time and the details. Well, so what's one thing that you're really, really proud of? Give us a success story from the past eight to best point. Is it 18 months, 19 months? I don't even know anymore. But in this year and a half plus of um, mayhem that we've had, what's, what, what's one thing that you're really proud of that you can share with our audience that you feel that you really were on the mark and did right? Well, we did mention our peer-to-peer -peer platform, which was new. It launched last August. Uh, it's called Race for Rotary. So we've been really surprised with that. It's been wonderful. We were excited. There was a lot of demand where people wanted a Rotary branded product because people were using other sites, you know, for fundraising for the Rotary Foundation, but they really wanted something where they could get the recognition that's so important to many Rotary members and credit in that way. So we've seen just a wonderful use. So we've had close to 900 individual fundraisers. Um, we've had $450,000 raised on peer-to-peer. -peer. And we've also, it's been a way for us to acquire new donors. Um, so we're growing that donor base. Um, so it's been really great. We found that Rotary works uh, to end polio, and we found that it's been a very important fundraising strategy for our polio fund, and World Polio Day is coming up in October, and we usually get a big bump around this time of year. So when you say a branded site, you, you, you don't necessarily mean a um, Rotary site. You actually let, did you say 900 um, ambassadors or voices of the mission actually go out and fundraise and you supported them with with that branding so that it wasn't kind of all over the place? Is, is that what we're talking about? Or take us through it a little bit deeper. Sure. Well, it is a, a platform that was start, it's raise.rotary.org or rotary.org slash raise. And so it is a rotary.org page, but um yeah, it's people in the past were, you know, using crowdfunding sites and then just using maybe the Rotary logo. But now it's it's our actual site that's connected to our donor database so that when people donate and use their email, they can get credit and it's in our system. And so when you go to this peer, -peer platform that's raised for Rotary, there's a couple different goals here that make us different than other peer-to-peer -peer crowdfunding sites out there. So at Rotary International, we support an online giving 17 different currencies. We have members all over the world. So we had to have something that we can expand on as we grow for additional currencies. 
like Kirsten mentioned, we have to be able to recognize donors, right? Sometimes through other, like social media platforms, you just get a lump sum and you can't really do that recognition. Clubs don't recognition districts, you know, so we're really trying to grow this product. It's very new. I mean, we have a lot of work to do, a lot of room to expand, but we were United States and English initially. We just rolled out Canada and Australia. So that's new. Um, and then we have all of our causes. So we have seven areas of focus, things like if somebody wants to fundraise for the Rotary Foundation for, let's say, protecting the environment, you could start on a fundraiser for environment that goes towards the Rotary Foundation that you would get credit for, but that goes towards grants that support environment. So it's really geared towards our membership base, but it also allows our membership base to, to expand to their network. So people that aren't Rotarians, that people who maybe don't know about Rotary, give to this. And then we're, we're wondering what will happen with membership. Will people join? Do people just give one and done? So we're really early on, but we're very proud that we took Rotary, this older organization, like the original peer-to-peer -peer group, right? And we've transitioned it to an online platform. That sounds so successful. Um, what would, for the length of time, say someone's going to do a peer-to-peer -peer campaign, you know, from beginning to end or their marketing, then they launch. What is the average length of time that you're running the peer-to-peer -peer campaigns? So it defaults to 30 days or 31. It's a month out from when you start it. But there's quite a few edit options and personalization options. So we have one up there now, someone is hiking the Appalachian Trail and that's, you know, a four year. <laughs> um, so it is typically better if it sticks to that month, but you know, World Polio Day, many are six to eight weeks. So it varies, but the default is typically 30 days. Mm, and, then that's and then there's also the team options. So we allow for someone, you know, Ben, if you wanted to start a team fundraiser, you could have a bunch of fundraisers underneath you and you all could raise together um, for whatever amount of time, cause, currency, like. That's really exciting. And so do any of these peer-to-peer -peer campaigns coincide with like an event, whether it be an online event or in-person event? Because uh, a lot of talk is about hybrid right now. I know I'm certainly diving deep into hybrid tomorrow. And hybrid doesn't mean that you're having an in-person event and a virtual event at the same time. That's not what it means. It means there's a digital supplement or complement or some way that there's an online fundraising to support your in-person gathering. So have you all seen any, comp uh, any combinations of that sort? Absolutely. So it started off where it was very organic and we just told people, we told leaders that this existed. We told members that this existed and we kind of left it up to them to what event you want. Are you running a 5K and you want to raise money for that? You know, we have challenges, celebrations, memorials and create your own. But even just two months in, we found that, wow, this is really a World Polio Day fundraiser. So that was big. Um, and so we have started adding a few calls to action where we tell people, you know, a way to raise for this fund is raise for Rotary. So we recently had a nice environment piece, since that's our newest area of focus, where one of the calls to action was start a fundraiser for the environment because that's now available. Um, so we have been using that and doing more of a specific reach out for particular campaigns, but it did start out more organic. Mm. I love the organic growth. I mean, that's just, 
you know, just very special that, uh, so it, it has to be like a social platform then I would assume as well. If you're growing organically, mm-hmm. it's like that whole theory of I tell two friends, they tell two friends, so on and so on. Was that a Fabergé commercial? Am I aging mm-hmm. myself? I think that was a Fabergé commercial years ago, but is, um, what, what's the social, um, aspect and the social integration that, that, and, and has that played a factor in helping this grow organically? Yes, we, so there's the option right on the site to share email, Twitter, or Facebook, your whole page. And it has a nice interface where it will share that way. And we do have quite a few Rotary members who are very active on Facebook. They have club pages and they have district pages and it's very active site for them. Um, And then we also provide a toolkit when they first start. So we have a whole email message that we say, here's an example of how you can reach out to your contacts. And here's an example, I'm fundraising for this. This is why it's important. So we really try to provide a nice toolkit to introduce them to this uh, and help them reach out. All right. So what else is in the toolkit? I think that we all know we need to give donors a toolkit, right? I mean, we have one thing that's important to remember is that our donors are not necessarily fundraising professionals. They have a good heart. They, they, they want to be part of something greater than themselves. They want to give. And when they are signing up for anything, the intention is really tremendous, right? Like I can do this. I can raise $5,000. I can raise $500. Okay, great. I'm going to do this. And they get off the phone or the meeting or the webinar or whoever you're training. And then it's like, I can't do this. (laughs) Right? You know, I have to ask somebody for money. That is hard work, right? So that's really, really, really hard work. And we forget, like, you know, they seem so pumped up in the call, but then it falls flat. Right. And I think I think it's something like 80 percent don't actually it's only 20 percent of your campaign that's actually raising money. So what are you doing? I want to hear and let's share with fearless fundraisers what's in this toolkit. What's the what's the juice? What I will say is before we get to the juice of the toolkit, the person that makes it possible is Kirsten. So we have Kirsten is our lead. Seriously, she's our lead fundraising coach. So she is the one setting this toolkit. It's not auto sent. It's, It's her taking the time to look at the person's fundraiser, help them personalize, sending this toolkit thing. Here's what you need to be successful. Email me as you go if you need help, if you want me to help you edit. I mean, she's really there with the fundraiser every step of the way because you're right, Dawn. Not everyone does this all the time. They think, oh, I'll make this thing and I'll share it once on Facebook and it's going to raise $50,000, which it isn't. It just isn't. They just need more support than that. So Kirsten is the one that really helps all of these 900 people to raise money for the foundation. So now I'll I'll, I'll give it to you to to share what you said them. Well, thank you. position to be in. Um, So the toolkit, we send a nice intro email and basically it includes a frequently asked questions document, which we're updating quite a bit. That's for Rotarians. It's really important because we have all that info about credit and recognition. Uh, We also have fundraising tips. So that's things like you know, be sure to personalize your page. You know, you can add photos in there. You can update. We created three videos to help people personalize and edit and share as they go along. Um, We also say, you know, one of the greatest ways to really kick off your fundraiser is for you to personally donate. So oftentimes 
someone will start and then they'll immediately $25, you know, just to show their base, you know, I really care about this. And I, you know, it'd be great if you did too. So that is one of our tips. And we have a few other ones. We also include for our US and Canadian donors, as we said, a lot of traditional donors where they like to donate by check. So we have a personalized contribution form that details what fundraiser it is, what fund it's going to, and then they can share that with the check so there's no hopefully no confusion um and then yeah that nice email saying you know please reach out with any questions and it's been really great for us i'm sure our fearless fundraisers are writing down notes as you're as you're speaking because i don't know that we know really like we know we need a toolkit but what to put in that toolkit is always a little bit obscure and where to get started right so that was a wealth of information and I think that where they can really hit it, hit it out of the ballpark, but 900, you're communicating with 900 people. Oh, <laughs> I know that's an absolute ton of fundraising. So obviously look during when, when this all started, people were trying things and some of it worked and you know, some of it didn't work. So, you know, I always like to share with people listening in, if there's a lesson that we can learn the hard way, we're happy to share it. So you don't have to learn it the hard way. So was there anything that you tried that you found out, you know what, uh, that was maybe not the best strategy. So we can we can put that little warning sign up for our other fearless fundraisers. I had one. So as I stated, we fundraise for a lot of different causes at the Rotary Foundation. And in the very beginning of the pandemic, which feels like 10 years ago at this point, but it was in March and it was World Water Day. So clean water and sanitation is one of our really big initiatives. And I remember I had a direct mail piece that already went out in the States and I was getting ready to email all of you know, all of the world, it was global, right? It was 300,000 plus people. And right as I hit send and it was auto, auto generated, I hit send and the president at the time came on and declared this national pandemic. And we received so many emails saying, hey. this went under, why are you asking me for money? You know, and it was just like such poor timing that it was one of those unavoidable moments it was like it was clean water day march 22nd it was ready to go it was in our budget we were we were going and it just we had to stop so we sent out english and we stopped the other nine languages from going out but you know our biggest donor base is english so the the damage was done so we just had to to pause it and regroup and we waited a few months and then it all ended up coming back and it was fine but it was i wish personally i would have hit the pause button on no matter it was budgeted it was that giving day but man if i could have just hit the pause <laughs> button that would have probably been a better option so well though some of those things are absolutely unavoidable and oh. i think um what the pandemic has done for me is really <clears throat> just reinforce the belief in just how good people are, just how caring people are and how committed and they forgiving. are. They've just been very forgiving saying, oh, we know you're trying to do the very best you can. So wherever you put together, whether it's going to be in a parking lot somewhere, which we did do an event in a parking lot, if you can imagine that, um, yeah. or if it's going to be online, look, we'll meet you where you are. So I think your communication uh, strategy is absolutely paying off. 
Man, Don, what do you think? Is this a, this is just uh, really fun to listen to today? Well, this this podcast is like note taking worthy, right? I mean, there's just a lot of tips out there, and uh, hopefully, you're taking notes. But the good news is, Raise Nation Radio is on demand, so you can listen listen again and again and again. We're just about out of time. Um, I hate that because I feel like we can keep going. I would love to dive even deeper, um, but you know, we're asking all of our um, our guests, what's the one thing? What's the one takeaway? We, we learned a lot in the past. Again, we don't know how many months it is because we've all stopped counting, right? But what's the one thing? And I'd like each of you to respond. What's the one thing that you've taken away? That's the positive that you're going to, that, that was a good lesson learned. And we're going to do this post pandemic. And maybe we're even going to do that in the future, right? What, what's that one thing? So I know I put you on the spot. Sorry about that, but um, we'd love to hear from you. Whoever wants to go first, we'd love to hear from both of you. I put you on the spot. <laughs> I, you know, I really like the way that the pandemic and being virtual and being remote has really expanded accessibility. I think we're always trying to reach new people. And I think it's really made it, you know, we have a convention every year that has thousands of people and that went virtual. And, you know, it's, it's, it's better, of course, to be in person, but I think the accessibility for a lot of our people who are older members and, you know, maybe they don't want to drive when it's a rainy, stormy night. And I think that that will carry in where more people are going to have access to these meetings and these events. So capitalize on the barrier of entry, right? Like that went away. Mm -hmm. So capitalize on that and pull in those other audiences that maybe you didn't have in person. I love that. I think that's a similar note, but really the the flexibility factor. So I talked about, you know, if I could do one thing differently, it wouldn't have been to send a world poll or pardon me, a world water day appeal on world water day, the day the pandemic was declared, but also thinking about, you know, our younger donors, our rotor actors, our younger members, you know, we have this peer to peer fundraising tool in the past. I feel like rotary had a, a, a history of, you know, very traditionalist, right? It was, it was for business professionals, it was club-based, and there wasn't a whole lot of flexibility. But now with Zoom and technology, I mean, clubs can be anywhere, meet anytime, like Kirsten was saying, fundraising can happen in any way. And I think on top of that, the, the testing component that I mentioned earlier is to not to assume, right? Not to assume that donors don't want to give in a pandemic. Don't assume they want to give one way. And both parties need to be flexible, donors, fundraisers, everybody, and, and see what works. And you might just come out on top like we did. So capitalize on the flexibility and accessibility, right? Those are the positives that came out and make sure you're always doing that, right? Always being, you know, flexible and giving different barriers, uh, different entry opportunities so that there are no barriers. So I love that from both of you. Thank you. Um, Well, that's about all we have time for today. I can't believe these episodes go so fast. Um, I really want to um, thank Stephanie and Kirsten for uh, joining us today. It was very inspirational and noteworthy taking and note taking worthy. Um, And we're going to hear from you more tomorrow, right? I think 3 p.m. Eastern time um, at the Rays conference. Is that right? That's correct. 
Yeah, I can't wait. I'll be tuning in for sure. So thank you all for Raise Nation Radio. Thank you for listening. Um, We hope you enjoyed today's uh, topic. And as I love to say, your daily dose of fundraising inspiration. I'd like to thank our sponsor, One Cause, for making this episode possible. One Cause is driving the future of fundraising with easy to use software solutions that help nonprofits connect with donors. Be sure to check them out at onecause.com. On behalf of my co-hosts, the one and only, the amazing Mr. Benjamin Farrell and me, a big shout out and thank to our guests. Um, We so appreciate you sharing your your expert advice and being vulnerable and authentic and real. Um, We took away so much and we really appreciate having you. So if you're looking for more from our two lovely ladies, um, where can we find you? How do we get in touch? Oh, um, for you guys. Yeah, I mean, you can email me. I'm, I'm happy to take emails. It's stephanie.adamitis, A-D-O-M-A-I-T-I-S at rotary.org. Or just go to rotary.org in the about section. There's the Rotary Foundation. You can check us out there or go to Raise for Rotary and check out our peer-to-peer platform. Rotary.org. We'll see you there. Well, until next time, I am Don Lego. This is Raise Nation Radio. Stay fearless out there. We'll see you next time. One Cause is the proud sponsor of Raise Nation Radio and your daily dose of fundraising inspiration. One Cause is driving the future of fundraising with easy to use software solutions that help nonprofits connect with donors. Day in and day out, One Cause puts your cause at the center of everything they do. Let One Cause power your fundraising.